If you're able to stand for the reading of God's holy, infallible word, please rise. As we read today a portion of the beginning of the Gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called to him a little child and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. Isn't that a powerful testimony to us this morning? About how we are to receive Christ. With the full acceptance and humility as a child. That needs to happen in every person's life. Then this is the thrust of today's sermon. Verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the offense, for the offense must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Touch our hearts, O Lord, with this your holy word. Amen. Well, I got up this morning, and as I do every morning, looked at the news on the Internet, and I read where one of the most powerful financiers in the country had been rearrested uh, for leading young children astray for immoral purposes. And this time it seems like the government is going to do something about it. He was tried once before and slapped on the wrist. But our children today are in peril. I was talking uh, a few years ago since I've been here to a gentleman who never comes to church, and uh, I think he professes to believe in God, but he never comes to church, and I never see him involved in those kinds of activities, and he brought his grandchildren to Bible school, and incidentally, don't sell Bible school short. It does a great and holy work, and it gives a wonderful opportunity to children, and those of you that work so hard, remember, you have glorified your Savior in that work whether it was teaching, cooking, or cleaning up, or whatever. But I told this gentleman, I said, you know, the devil is after your children. And that's true for all of us. The devil is after our children and our grandchildren. I'm old enough to have great-grandchildren, but I don't have any yet. My boys started late in life, I don't know. But anyway, but the devil is after them. 
in former days in the United States, there were in the public schools and, and everywhere you went a, a sense of, of at least a, to, a token allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's no longer here now. Uh, any sign of Christ on public grounds, the lawsuits are immediately bought to remove it, and and uh, and uh, and the Christian faith is is particularly targeted for suppression, while other faiths are given tacit approval. It's a different world. We live in a secular society today where the chief value is human pleasure and the measure of success is monetarily in terms of how much you make. And those are all implements of the devil to design a people's consciousness and mind away from the real truth. And that real truth is the same as it's always been and will be until he returns in glory. That truth is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we see the changing of our culture as a part of the things that will push our children away from a true relationship with Jesus Christ. I thought about entitling this sermon today, maybe I should have have how to get your kids and grandkids into hell. But, uh, but you already know the way to keep them out of hell. And, and I want to take a moment here to tell this church. This church has some of the most outstanding Christian parents I know of. And one of the reasons I can say that is in the quality of the Christian walk that I have seen in our children and youth. For some, the most exciting thing part of the summer would be to go on some grand vacation. We have a number of kids this year and that are really excited about going to do mission work, to share the gospel with other people. Now, someday I'm praying that the Lord God will move in the hearts of the adults of this congregation to give them the same passion to reach people for Jesus that our young people have. But, but the world is working to condition children and, even, and adults as well away from God. What's the worst thing that can happen to your child or your grandchild. I remember once one of my boys was sick and, and, and it was going in for diagnostic examination and all the signs looked terrible. And, and I remember for three days going into my church and, and, and laying for hours prostrate before the cross, praying that this test would not be what we were afraid it was going to be. Begging the Lord, and because, and you know, for your child to get a, an illness like that, is, 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 you think, well, that's the worst thing that can happen. But it's not. The worst thing that can happen to your child or grandchild 
is that they miss the kingdom of God and end up in hell. You know, when you go to talking about heaven and hell, human language breaks down. We don't have the, the language to express the glories, the glories of heaven. We can talk about the crystal sea, which is no doubt there, and the golden streets and all the glorious things. But even then, our language is not able to adequately describe, and our frail minds of this world cannot comprehend the wonders and glories we shall see when we are with Jesus. But the converse is also true. Our language and our minds cannot comprehend the tragedy, the sorrow, the unending suffering that will be the fruit of those who have not believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and by the power of God's grace be brought into a living faith relationship with Jesus. Flames of hell are not adequate. Brimstone is not adequate to describe the sorrow and terror of being eternally separated from all hope, being eternally separated from God, only knowing an eternity of suffering. Now that is the reality that is coming at the end of the world. And it is coming soon. It may come for me this afternoon. George Morris and I joke about falling into comas on Sunday afternoon. You ever do that? You know you fall asleep. I may fall asleep this afternoon and not wake up in this world. For, for that point of time, in the, my end of time's come, hasn't it? So it comes here, but it is coming ultimately when Christ will come to judge the world and the sheep shall be on the right and the goats on the left. The sheep on the right shall inherit the eternal joy of his presence. And the goats on the left shall suffer the sorrows of eternity in hell. You don't hear that much in the pulpit anymore, do you? But we live in a world today that has no concern about those spiritual things. And just as I talked to this grandfather about his grandchildren and, and the importance of doing all that he could to guide them in heaven and how to heaven and how the church would support and, and teach them and incorporate them in, in the wisdom of the scriptures and how important it was for them to get here and for him not only to bring them but for him to come as an illustration of the, his devotion to Jesus. You know, kids learn from examples. I have yet to see him here. So many people never ask that question. What is the worst thing that could happen to my child or grandchild? 
How I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you know I'm telling the truth. Every person in this room has a neighbor who has either children or grandchildren who's not involved with the gospel, who's not involved with the Lord's church, who's not sharing the gospel in the home. Every one of us have those friends. And, and dear friends, that is an immediate mission for you, for you and I. Don't say you don't have the opportunity to be an evangelist because you do. It might even be up to you that you ask permission. Let me bring your child to church and Sunday school with me. It may make an eternal difference. No, the worst thing that can happen to anyone, our children, grandchildren, our neighbor's children, is to miss the kingdom of God. You know, today people believe that few people are going to be lost. I mean, after all, some of us mild faith in Jesus may not shape our life, and, or some of us are good people, and, and so you've got to do something really bad to be lost. Now, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say that most are going to be saved. What does it say? Most are going to be lost. That's Bible. If you don't believe me, go read what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Straight is the way and narrow is the gate that leadeth unto life, and few, not a lot, few there be that find it. I don't care what some of these rock and roll good time preachers that preach and Say, well, God loves everybody unconditionally, and so we can just trust him. You can trust him. But he, his, his reward is conditional, as we saw last Sabbath. It is conditional. Those who do not serve or love Christ will not be saved. Conditional. Our children and grandchildren just like you and I, make many mistakes and fail. And in parenting, I want to say that I've been among the chief of sinners in so many ways. I've failed in so many ways. But there is one and only one failure you will make or I will make that has eternal consequences. You know what that is? That we have not, from the depths of our heart, loved our children and grandchildren enough to do all we can to lead them to salvation. My boys growing up from this high, and now they're grown, and, and uh, we... We still hug and kiss each other when we see each other. Men, I'm not ashamed of that. I love those boys more than I love my own life. But when I would leave, or they would leave, I would always kiss them and whisper in their ear, be it Jim or GW, I'd call them by name. 
I'd say if you're the richest man in Chattanooga and do not serve Jesus Christ, I will count you a failure. And if you are the poorest man in Chattanooga that serves Jesus Christ with all your heart, I'll count you a success. That's how I have tried to measure my own life and their life. Because if you gain the whole world yet lose your soul, what did Jesus say? It profits you nothing. But if you lose your life for his sake, the reward is immeasurable. So I worry about my neighbors and I talk to them, but so often falls on dead ears. Here and there, one will grasp the importance of their work. And like I say, I cannot be at all critical of the parenting I see going on in this church. I rejoice that you all have at the center of your life the leading of your children and grandchildren to Christ. There's one grandfather and grandmother here that I've often prayed for and they've often prayed for their grandchildren. I rejoice today that those grandchildren's names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And above all, that's my prayer for all. But we need to tell the world it is, it is so important to lead the little ones unto the Lord. And those, we need to tell our family and our friends and our neighbors that, that don't encourage their children in the Christian way. You are committing the greatest, one of the greatest sins of all, a sin that affects not only you, but those you love. And let me tell you how serious Jesus took it. When you cause these little ones to stumble, and you can do it like that evil man that's just been arrested, but you can also do it through your in, uh, indifference, and we see it all around us, your indifference to the spiritual need of children, you cause them to stumble that way. Oh, we live in a different time. George Whitfield, a great traveling preacher of the 1700s, he preached down through here. I got a feeling if we could get to the historical records, he probably preached at Little Bethel Methodist Church over there because it was in this one of the few churches around here in that period in which he traveled and but he traveled, and one time in Philadelphia, there on the commons, he preached a, a great sermon describing how the indifference of parents to their children's spiritual life would lead them into hell, and he described the children turning back. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you lead me? Oh, the people were so overcome that they fell, fainted in sorrow. We don't live in that world anymore, do we? This world is spiritually dead. But nonetheless, we must witness and we must work.
You know, our young people in this church, they actively talk to their unsaved friends about the Lord. That's why we have lots of kids coming here that don't even belong to this church. Now I'm going to quit preaching and go to meddling. You adults need to get serious about doing the same thing. I'll bet you there are people here, sitting here this, today that not all of last week spoke one word for Christ and one word to a lost person about the importance of coming to know the Lord and what the consequences of missing it or not because you're afraid they'll think you're weird or they're afraid they'll think you're a, a religious fanatic but you're not one bit afraid of having to face the Lord not having done that, Right? We need to be a church of encouragement to salvation to little children. I want to compliment you. When I saw this image today, I, I thought about several families in this church, the one that's up there. Thank you for doing that, parents. Thank you for, for living your life to realize that the greatest contribution you can make to the kingdom of God is not something you do, but something you raise. Thank you. I listened to my sons and talking about how they've talked to lost people. The one that's a nurse, he said, Dad, I pray for my patients all the time, and if I think they don't know the Lord, I talk to them about the importance of knowing him. I said, well, son, you work in a secular hospital. You're probably going to get fired for that someday. And he says, praise God, what an honor it would be to be fired for Jesus. That's what he said. And he's got all the financial issues to worry about that you do and more. Thank you, Lakeview parents, for raising gifts to the kingdom of God. Thank you. Your preachers, thank you. And he's encouraged and made glad because of it. But at the same time, let's do what we can to, to extend that blessing to other families and to other children. The truly loving parent will do all they can to lead their family to Christ. Jesus wants you to talk to your neighbors. You know that? Jesus put one neighbor of mine on my heart. I've been by his house several times. Haven't found him at home. I don't know if he's hiding from me or what, but I haven't found him from home. I did that once. I haven't found him at home. Jesus wants us to talk to our neighbors about their spiritual life and the fact that their children are being conditioned away from salvation. You know, we need to be a church that encourages families to live in Christ and to point their families to Christ. I know some of you are doing it. There are people right here I know that are passionately concerned about the spiritual welfare of their children or grandchildren. 
uh, keep praying, keep trusting, keep witnessing, keep loving. You know, I found that God answers those prayers. It may take time, but I've found him answer those prayers. Now, if my old mama were alive today, I could stand her up here and I'll say, Ruth, tell everybody how you prayed for me. Tell everybody how lost I was. Tell everybody how you kept reaching out and sharing with me and speaking the truth and loving me. Tell them how you prayed and prayed and tell them how in April, one April evening, God answered your prayers. We need to tell the world, listen world, what Jesus said. If you're causing these children to stumble, listen, whoever you are, and then what he means is stumbling away from the faith. It is better that you have a millstone tied about your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea. It sounds pretty harsh, but that's Jesus. We're taking the Lord's Supper today. I bet every person in this room today feels convicted in their heart. I hope you do. I do. That I am not serving to reach out enough to keep the little ones from stumbling. I got a neighbor who, as far as I can tell, never darkens the church door got children. Every time I try to talk to them about the Lord, they love me and they're friendly to me, but, but they never take heart to what I say. They don't know the worst, that the worst thing that could happen to their child, they're paying a major part in it happening. If we love Christ, we will love the lost. Did you know that? We will love the lost just as he did, like that great shepherd who had 99 saved, who went out into the wilderness because he loved that lost sheep. We are his witnesses. But what kind of witness are we? If we repent of our sins, turn from them, whatever they are, and one of them that we all need to turn from is not being missionaries. Spurgeon said if you're a, a person that's not a missionary, he's not really a Christian at all. He's right. So maybe we need to bring repentance about that in our life to the Lord's table today when we confess our sins. And let me tell you what repentance means. It comes from the Greek word metanoia, which we get the word metamorphosis from, which means true repentance 
begets a transformation. Repent and he will forgive. Amen.